there. Welcome back to another episode of the Jasmine Star Show. My name is Christy, Jasmine's podcast producer, and I have a feeling you're going to love today's episode. Tara Nicole Kirk is the CEO of Transformational Consumer Insights, which is a marketing, content strategy, and leadership development firm that creates transformational experiences for conscious leaders, businesses, and customers. During her career in Silicon Valley, Tara has created brand growth, media, and content strategies for brands like HTTV, Trulia, Eventbrite, and many, many more. She's also been featured in the New York Times and was recently named the number one woman Silicon Valley tech companies should be named to their boards by Business Insider. So it's safe to say that Tara knows a thing or two about business. In her conversation with Jasmine, Tara takes us to church about the power of a positive mindset in your business success, the most common forms of self-sabotage, how to address your inner critic, and more. I'm sure you're going to be blown away by Tara's brilliance just like Jasmine and I were. So let's get right into it, shall we? I could not be more happy and more honored to invite to the show somebody that I've been waiting a very long time to chat to. Now, I I know oftentimes I I say quite often that I bring brilliant minds, but people I also know personally onto the podcast. And the beautiful thing about our next guest is I feel like I know her because I just kind of stalk all the things. So before I let her speak, because I'm going to be selfish for a second, I'm going to read a little something that I saw on her Instagram account. I want to give y'all a peek into this queen. She has a daughter by the name of London. Okay. London in bed this morning. Mama, get me some honey today. Honey is not a thing I stalk at home, and I kind of forgot about her request, to be honest. Fast forward seven hours, a waiter at a cafe counter, service only, as I'm drinking my second cup of tea, no honey milk, like I like it, sitting alone, minding my own business, actually writing a newsletter for y'all tomorrow, walks up to me with a tiny, single-serve jar of honey. Hi there, I thought you might like some honey. Me, with raised eyebrows, huh, thank you, I... I don't take it in my tea, but I'll take it home. Him goes back and gets one other, brings it over and then sets it down saying, I think you need two. When I say this kid is a magical one, I mean it. She speaks it and it just is. Legit maybe 10 times a week. To be clear, London ain't even here. She's a mile away living her best life on a playground and I'm over here receiving the fulfillment of the cosmic order she placed this morning. Moral. Be like London, want what you want, require it, and don't worry about how it'll happen. Just get on board and watch what happens. But wait, ladies and gentlemen, I will refuse to introduce to you, Tara, just a a quick, quick second, because somebody, because you know I creep, somebody left a comment and said, you just have to say it like it, you have to say it like London did, speak it into existence. And then Tara Nicole Kirk responds with, Well, first, you have to let yourself really want the fullness of what you want. Then you have to speak it and not book your calendar so full of the other stuff that you can't give life force to your real desire. Then you have to gradually release doubt, resistant, your own inner conflicts and get into alignment with what you want. Speaking it is just one component. Ladies and gentlemen, Tara Nicole Kirk is out here ready to drop some knowledge bombs. Thank you to the Jasmine. I mean, I said thank you to the Jasmine Star Show. I said thank you for coming on to the Jasmine Star Show. Oh my gosh. First of all, there has never been an introduction in the world of introductions like that introduction. (sighs) Also, I have so much. I'm like, we could just start. We could just have some church (laughs) on that. 
I was like, thank you for listening to the I'm show. Not. We're done. We're done. No, no, we're not. <laughs> we could be. We could be, Sometimes but we won't. Like, yes, but we're, well, we won't be done. Because, <sighs> and it, it, the, so, that is so cosmically, divinely well-timed that that was the thing that you chose to open this conversation mm. with. Because this is a season of coming. Listen, we have humanity as it evolves does this pendulum swing. Right. So we've had, we were on the pendulum end of like toxic power structures, repressive, internalized oppression for generations. And then, you know, we've seen it kind of, we saw it swing back to the other extreme of like, I call it the love and light brigade. All is love and light, Mm. which is cute, (laughs) but is not real life. It's certainly not real life for people who have experienced trauma or who will experience trauma, which is all people, all humans, right? That's just not real life. And so what I think people are, and, and we know that, you know, the, the religious institutions have failed. So many of the cultural institutions have failed. And I'm excited about that because what it's calling forth is this you know, search for spirituality and meaning that is useful in this life for helping us like deal with the real, the real challenges of this real life Mm. and really reach our full potential um, and really live our big, beautiful dreams, but Mm. do it in the context of this real world and this real life and the real actual challenges that all of us face. Right. Mm. And that's not a, it, I wish, I don't even wish Five years ago, I would have said, I wish it was about speaking it into existence and that's all it took. But what I know now, having been to like the way other side of the game and come back to report on it, (laughs) is that like so much of the richness of who you are, all of us are destined to become, is who we become in the process of of the inner conflicts, of Mm -hmm. having the desire and not letting ourselves have it and feeling that friction and disharmony. Right of re- of understanding, learning the process of de- resolving our own inner conflicts, and it's slow, and it's gradual, and it's shining light in the shadows, and it's hard. <laughs> it's not. It is not for the faint. The awakening, the journey of an awakening human soul, is not for the faint-hearted. It just mm. ain't. Okay, but it's delicious. Okay. Okay, sorry, I didn't introduce myself. No, that's what I was going to say. I was like, no, 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 no. We're going to pause. We're going to pause for the power of the moment because it is not for the faint of heart, but it is delicious. It's delicious. It is delicious. And so for people who are listening right now and be like, I just walked into a middle of a church sermon and I don't know where the heck I am. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to be talking about today from a business context, because let's just be real. This queen could talk about a lot and we're not going to talk about, oh, like, oh, this is a coming to of uh, self-awareness, although it is. And oh, it's about finding a deeper sense of self. It it is. But first and foremost, we're going to lead with how we show up as business owners is a division of how we show up as humans. We're going to be talking about things of self-sabotage in business. But before we get there, I have to make sure that we give space for Tara (laughs) Nicole to introduce herself and set the context of where we're going to start this conversation. Let's do it. So I am Tara Nicole Kirk. Um, sometimes I say that I do PR for God, but today I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Sometimes, no big deal. <laughs> Actually, let's talk about the business lesson in that. Y'all got to figure out what you are the best in the world at mm. and be that and mm. stop messing around about it. 
Don't hesitate to say it. Um, I am a master coach. I am a metaphysician and I am a spiritual strategist to smart, successful, usually very repressed people who are um, living a little bit in the shadow of the lives that they came here to live. Um, so what I do is help people reach their full potential and do their biggest dreams before they die. I help them do that by undoing their self-sabotage and the fear program um, that so many of us are living under. And in particular, I have a specialty in helping people heal and transform their inner critic. Um, and it and I, you know, and that shows that work happens in a lot of ways. I do a little bit of, cons of, of coaching. I do a lot of consulting. I'm a writer. I teach a lot of courses and programs. But business people are my people, <laughs> um, in part because I think in this new era, in this season of humanity, um, business is one of the ways that it, it is one of the uh, ways that we're that our callings, our, our souls callings, mm -hmm. our sacred contracts in this generation, uh, specifically of women, but people, business is often showing up as the way in which our sacred contracts want to be carried out. Mm. And so I see for a lot, it's beautiful because I get to see our business callings and our business blocks, our, our money blocks actually have their personal and spiritual development career within us. There's work that they are trying to do within us of, of helping us become the people that we are here to become. And at the mm. same time, frankly, be very ideally wealthy. I mean, in my definition of spiritual well-being, health and wealth and wisdom and love and full free-flowing creative self-expression are all elements of that. Mm. Um, so that's who I am. That's what I'd be about. <laughs> well, welcome to, welcome to the community that you have always belonged to. Let me just tell you, we drink from the same well. Okay. So when we talk, and one of the things I really appreciated with what you had said is that sometimes or oftentimes our business is an expression of the sacred contracts we are here to fulfill. And I, I love that. I love that mental imagery that I have been put on this earth to do something great and grand and to do anything less would be to rob God, the universe of the thing that I've been put here to do. Yes. But what are some of the most common forms of self-sabotage that you see specifically with business owners? Oh my gosh, the procrastination procrastination mm -hmm. i'm gonna even call mm. i'm gonna take that even because i like to be real extreme okay. <laughs> just to like because it's also all it's all, i have to put this in context piece in place uh i'm gonna try to say this i'm gonna i'm gonna even say this in an extreme way and then i'm gonna like i'll, I'll, I'll work it out okay okay none of this matters you guys you are beloved of this universe <laughs> <laughs> really, like, none of it matters you are truly every hair on your head is beloved by the creative power that formed all worlds, whether you ever earn another dollar or write another book or sell another product or get out of bed another day in your life. Okay. Like you are loved. You are a droplet of the divine period. Mm. So in that context, then all these like dreams and desires to have a business or to, you know, create a movement or to impact people's lives. Um, I know there are some people who would hear that and be like, well, why are we doing that? Well, I think we're doing that because it's, it's what we, we, it's, we're playing the creation game. Mm -hmm. Like humans, we humans are the only beings that we know of on this planet that have the ability to think a thought and have an idea about something that doesn't exist and then make it exist. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and it feels really good when you do that <laughs> because all of the things that are beneficial to the species 
in the planet actually feel really good when we do them, right? Think about like the perpetuation of the species, how that happens. It feels really good when you do the things <laughs> that cause mm -hmm. that to happen. So that's why creating feels so good. That's why it feels so good when you like do, do a thing that felt like it was hard and you are able to do it. You're like, oh, there's a little bit of you getting in touch with like the divine essence of who you are, your own power, right? Now, what was the original question you asked me? What are the common um, ways self-sabotage yeah. shows up? So um, procrastination is a big one of them. I like to talk about this one in an extreme way. I think of it as like marketing paralysis, mm -hmm. self-marketing paralysis. Ooh, right? that good distinction. Great right? distinction. Because, so I was a marketer in my former, not in like a past life, but like literally like, <laughs> like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I was a marketer. And I noticed this pattern of people who can go have a job, a high powered job marketing somebody else's stuff and they're brilliant at it. Yes. But then when they go into their own business mm -hmm. to market them, so they cannot post a post on social media. It's right. So, which is like, and it, it's very intertwined with perfectionism, very intertwined with imposter syndrome. Those are some of the most common. There are lots of them though. There are lots of um, codependency in your like personal relationships. So if you've ever known someone who is like very addicted to solving other people's problems in their lives in a way that keeps them like depleted and distracted from doing the, the, their own sacred contracts, that is, a, that is a form of self-sabotage that most people don't even realize is they think they're just being very like giving kind people. <laughs> and I'm like, right. What would be really kind to the world is if you held those other people in your lives as pow powerful enough to solve their own problems, mm. recouped your own life force and put it onto your calling. Mm. I, I want to pause here for a second. Look at my mind, waving my hands. I'm breaking my mic. So we have listed uh, procrastination, the inability mm -hmm. to market oneself, even though you have a unique skill set to market something or somebody else. We have codependency. We have perfectionism. So if you have of these smatherings of options in which we could self-sabotage, if somebody listening is hearing and being like, I suffer from one or multiple, yeah. then what are some of the steps that we could take to stop? If we have acknowledged that we suffer from the ailment of perfectionism, what does one do? Yeah. So all of these things are symptoms of one thing. Ooh. They're all, it's all symptom. So I actually try to avoid, I try to avoid this thing where people are going to try to fix their procrastination by pulling one lever and fix their perfectionism by pulling another lever. Cause there's stuff you can do, right? They're, and then they're going to go get a coach and they'll get it like an accountability program. And then they'll do like a time management system. And then they're, and they're just, just like, it gets to be like all your whole life can be doing that stuff. I like to shine the light of awareness on the fact that at the root of all of these things is fear. Like, let's just cut through. Um, let's mm. cut through the symptoms. Let's get to the root cause. The root cause of all of them is fear. Um, and it's conditioned fear. It's programmed fear. And I don't want to go get super, super cosmic, but many, most, most really, you know, talented people had a time in their very early childhood where they were conditioned to believe they were like, good girl, if you do the things this way, <laughs> and bad girl, if you do things another way. And over time, that just creates a, um, it shifts our, our, the, the focus of where we get our validation from. So mm -hmm. as babies, we all are validated very internally. 
we know what feels good and what doesn't feel good to us. And we do what feels good to us and we don't do the rest. But over time, it shifts so that we're, we begin looking outside us for validation mm. and for like, uh, what's, am I okay? I judge whether I'm okay by whether I'm getting good grades, whether my parents are happy or whether I'm getting raises, or whether I'm getting whatever. And it, that can create that like very fear-based way of living and being where you're really trying, you almost, most people that I work with, they're living most of their lives out of a desire to avoid unwanted outcomes mm. versus like doing what feels really right to you to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why you hear so many people say, I'm not even sure what my calling is. Do I even have a purpose? We, you do. Your inner being is speaking it to you, but we've just been overruling it and overriding it for a really long time. So instead of trying to do the surface things to like get at the symptoms, I invite people to begin, well, to begin, first of all, with the awareness. I assure you that after, just after listening to this <laughs> in the coming 24 or 48 hours, it will, uh, it will occur to someone who's listening to this that, oh my gosh, that's fear. Oh my gosh, I'm afraid. I didn't I agree. realize that. Just shining the light of awareness on it is like a very big first step that gradually starts to dissolve the, the hold that those thought habits have on you just by seeing it. Okay. Now, the, the next thing that I really think is important for most of us to do, and no, you know, our culture is not really teaching people how to do it anymore, is to develop an inner life right? To, in, to develop practices and rituals that allow you to get, like literally, whether it's a meditation practice, I teach like a four-part daily ritual that people, I ask people to do in the morning before the rest of the world can start showering you with that onslaught of like content and messages and demands mm. and mom and calendar mm -hmm. and whatever. Like, Develop a very protected time of the day where you can just be, where you can yes, slow and down, amen. right? Slow amen. down the pace of your thoughts a little bit. Ideally, that you can journal a little bit and brain dump some of the grudges and grievances and thoughts and whatever and get like a little bit of still and quiet in your mind. It's another, it's surprising at how much of an, a leg up that gives you in getting out in front of the fear program and all the other programs, right? You just start to see them more. And you start to gradually be like, huh, well, I could do that. I, I process a lot in my journaling, right? I could, I could do that knee-jerk reaction I always have had. Or I could just like brain dump the way I feel about it and gracefully, gradually make a different choice. So a lot of this work is about breaking the pool of your unconscious patterns and programs. And having some sort of daily ritual before the world gets to you is, is almost essential. I don't even know if you can really do the work without starting there. So I'm going to digest this. You are listening and there's a ton coming at you, but the kernel of where do I begin and how do I change once I have identified that I'm embodying some sort of thing, uh, procrastination, perfectionism, codependency, and the root of that is fear. And all of a sudden, the next 24 to 48 hours, you are going to start to see the pulling of I want to fix or I want to help. And then you realize, oh, that's fear. What am I not addressing? Oh, I have to wait until this is perfect or I know enough or I can do enough. I'm like, well, wait, that's actually fear of what? And then what Tara Nicole Kirk is walking us through, ladies and gentlemen, is can you just write it down? 
Can you create a ritual of some sort? And she's not even saying buy a special journal. She's not saying do a special chant. It's can you love yourself for five to seven minutes and just write down a brain dump, no rules, and it will speak back to you. Do I understand that clearly? You understand that correctly. And like, I love the the phrasing of like, can you give yourself that gift? Mm-hmm. Um, I love, and I think the other thing that you just said in your saying that back, that's super important to emphasize is no rules. There's mm. no rule. If you are Agreed. being taught that you got to meditate a certain way or journal a certain way, like yes. fire your teacher, <laughs> like they're fire. <laughs> they're fire. Let me fire them for you. Cause I ain't got a problem firing people. Like let it be a brain dump. Let it be, um, the grocery list. If that's what needs to come out, let it be, the, a grudge from 40 years ago or from yesterday, if it needs to come out, because often it's right under that stuff. <laughs> That's where all of your divine downloads, your golden threads of inspiration, those like your beautiful ideas, those little impulses that are like, my friend Artie always says, sometimes your muse just wants you to go get a burrito, <laughs> right? It's not always deep. And we put too much pressure on it ourselves that everything that comes out in our journaling has to be deep or has mm. to, we got to tie it up in a pretty bow and it mm. doesn't, but often right under the silly, not deep stuff is like mm. the inspiration to go get a burrito. And on the way to get a burrito, you see a thing or learn a thing that actually turns out to be really important later in your day or life or project or whatever. I could right? not agree more with this. I am just smitten. Okay, but one thing I want to be very clear for people who like are understanding the assignment, but they're not quite understanding the yeah. professor. So <laughs> we're, we're calling you an entrepreneur coach. Is that how you would define I, yourself? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it's kind of, I, I'm not, I, wasn't, I wasn't sold because there's a ton of spirituality in what it is that you do. So totally. I understand. I don't so, think they're different. I like, so I call myself a master second. coach. Do- Good. That's okay, I, I call myself a, yes, I call myself a master coach, a metaphysician, and a spiritual strategist. And I say spiritual strategist because I do not think that there is a different the, when I coach someone, and I almost only coach entrepreneurs. So that's true. In my individual coaching practice, I almost only work with entrepreneurs. And what I do with them is actually tends to be hybrid coaching and consulting. So mm-hmm. like some days they come in and they need to talk about their marriage. Some days they come in and they need to talk about their money fears. Some days they need to come Mm -hmm. in and I need to talk about their brand messaging and positioning because I was a CMO and I can't help it. Mm -hmm. I can't (laughs) turn it off. So in my, you know, one-on-one coaching practice, it is almost only entrepreneurs, but I, what we coach through is a very fully integrated roadmap of like you into more and more and more into fulfillment of your sacred contracts and sacred potentials. Um, and you know, this, the actual strategic things that you've got to do the decisions you've got to make on an everyday mm-hmm. basis to do that. So okay. So yeah, no, no, no. You slipped in a CMO. Can we talk about your origin story? Yeah, a few, yeah. It's the, <laughs> <laughs> I have a crazy origin story. So I have a master's degree in psychology. I have a law degree from UC Berkeley. I practiced the law for a while and I represented a bunch of real estate, uh, people in the real estate industry. I ended up leaving the law to go into the real estate industry, wrote a book about real estate um, that was licensed by HGTV and HGTV like media trained me and put me on the road for them as a spokesperson. And so that was actually how I became a marketer. I was not like a trained marketer. I just had this beautiful, very intensive experience 
at working in, as a marketer for several years for HGTV. Um, so when I was done there, I went in-house and was a marketer at Trulia.com, the real estate search engine. Yes. I worked in Silicon Valley for a long time as a, cons- a marketing consultant for startups. And then um, I was the chief marketing officer at MyFitnessPal, um, which was a, is still actually probably the world's largest health and fitness app. Um, so that's my, that's a very short story on my career origin story. What's the pivot point? Like uh, what happens when we come out like, okay, girl has street credibility and she's basically an underachiever because, you know, um, <laughs> and then what intersection, what happens? Like, what, mean, what, is- so what happened was Under Armour bought my fitness pal. I left the company. I rode my bike around Croatia for some delicious months. I mean, it was really real. <laughs> and then I, I thought that what I was going to, I wrote a book called The Transformational Consumer. And it was all about all the experiences I had had throughout my career as a marketer. Actually, throughout my life, my parents owned a gym when I was a kid. So from the time I was like nine years old, I was just like fascinated with people who were wanting to make changes in their lives to be healthier, wealthier, or wiser. Um, Mm. And that was just like kind of a pattern that I'd always, I'd always only worked on you know, pro, uh, projects and brands that were like that. So I wrote this book, The Transformational Consumer, about how, how entrepreneurs and companies could do that, could really win really like kind of fanatical, lifelong love, um, have love affairs with their customers by helping them get, you know, live better lives. And I thought what I was going to do was start a, ch- a, a consulting company helping people do that in their businesses. But as I started consulting with these CMOs and CEOs and marketing teams and product teams, I realized uh, my takeaway was these people know what to do. These Mm. people know what to do. Mm. They lack the voice, the influence, the grounding, the personal. I was doing a lot of personal coaching, even CEOs who had founded the companies. I was coaching them on how to like bring the whole company along to this like meaningful, purposeful, transformational vision. And so like one day I was at this big conference and the CEO of a very well-known company was like watching me like just talk to people how I talk to people, watching me have church. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. Basically. Um, And he came, I even know this guy and he literally came up to me and was like, I hear that you're a marketer. I'm sure you're good at it. This is what you should be doing for a living. Like, this is crazy. Mm. And um, that was sort of the beginning of, you know, me leaving just like straight consultant and coming into the world of what now my company is called Soul Tour, um, where I basically help people take their callings and their crises, their callings and their catastrophes and turn Mm. them into progress on their spiritual journey. Um, and, oh, and as almost a happy side effect accident, you also get wealthier. You also get wiser. You also get sexier. You also, you also like your body gets better. Like life gets really good and you, and you get really skilled up to deal with like the really real shit, including like facing your past trauma and breaking generational curses and dealing with pandemics and Mm. stuff. So what people hear And what people see is you in your zone of genius. And the reason why I could speak clearly to the zone of genius, because I've heard you talk about it before and it was a game changer for me. Can you explain how you define the zone of genius? And then, so then once you have that definition, people could look at you and be like, that queen is in her zone of genius. And I hope that at some point during the podcast from now until we 
continue to podcast that somebody could say, I see her in her zone of genius. And then how do you define it? How does one find it? Yeah. And so like the zone of genius concept is not one that I came up with. I should. I Correct. Sorry. Yes. No, no, no. I'm I, sorry. I'm, I'm, I, do teach, <laughs> I teach it and I like preach it. So like, but it spoke it to me because yes. people get it, but like the way, like the way that you say yes. it. So Gay Hendricks is, is who I originally learned this concept from. And the idea is that all of, all of human activity can be broken down into four zones. Okay. There's your zone of incompetence, which is like, uh, can I, I don't, am I allowed to curse? Yes. It's okay. you do you go. You, you okay, do you. <laughs> okay. Cause I'm definitely a Buddhist black church lady and I definitely <laughs> get there. Cause see, yes. So uh, there's a zone of incompetence, which is the zone of activities. You ain't got no freaking business doing. Like you should just stop doing that. Issue. And we're all doing it. We all do stuff we have no business doing and we're just not good at it. But that why? But hold on. This is a side note. I'm, I'm totally distracting you. But why do okay. we do that? No, I, I'm not asking a rhetorical I, question. I really want to hear from no, you. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to give you a real, real okay. answer. Okay. I think people do it out of guilt. I think people do it out of scarcity. I think people do it <gasps> out of this, like, right, this idea that they've got to be virtuous. So I'll tell you, there's a teacher who has this, there's a teacher like in the world right now who's talking a lot about like million dollar decisions. And I, I see a lot of people going, oh yeah, that's like, like, I'm going to get a housekeeper. And I'm like, maybe like, yes. And they're like, what? Do, and, and I see a lot of conversation about like, how do I clean before my housekeeper comes? And I'm like, girl, you are doing it really wrong. <laughs> okay. Like I know what my zone, my zone of genius has nothing to do with details or cleaning or whatever. So I have a housekeeper like literally once a week for years I've had a housekeeper. I, um, my babysitter, I actually just hired this sitter for overnight babysitter twice a month for the rest of the year, because I could see last year as I was wanting to write, I was wanting to write fiction and do some things that were like deeper and different and it more just out of the box for me. But felt so good because that's your zone of genius always feels really good too. lights you up. I could see that like in my, I want to be with the baby all the time. <laughs> like I'm actually not always in my zone of genius. I am not a filling my mm. cup and I'm not B allowing myself to do the thing, to live the unlived life that <sighs> would be maximally like liberating for me and for her. Right. So I was like, ah, then I'm going to find like, and I have the sitter who's like the best with her. And I'm like, she's in her zone of genius. Like for, so for two nights a mm -hmm. month, I'm going to do that. And to me, that's like, it may not, it may or may not make me a million dollars, but it felt like a million dollar decision. And it keeps us both in our zone of genius. So zone of incompetence, I think a lot of people don't allow themselves to do, to get all the way out of it because they're telling themselves the story that it costs too much or that they don't, it's the scarcity thing. Mm. And it's, an, and it can be an unworthiness thing too. Like I, so I should had, be able listed, to. Yes. So you listed guilt. You had scarcity. listed scarcity. Unworthiness. You had unworthiness. And I'm sure there's other things in there, but the Those one that like ones. hit me, hit me was it wasn't guilt. I do a ton. I stay in a zone of incompetence far too long and it's scarcity, girl. I say, I grew up without money. And so I have money and let me just do this because I can keep that money. Girl, instead of tell you something that was then this is Whoa. now. That's that crazy. Then, that just like slapped me upside my face. This is now that was mm. them. This is you. That's right. You don't give your parents a different, your grandparents, your ancestors, a different life than they had 
by doing broke stuff now. Mm. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And mm. like the point is joy. The point is not the money. Correct. The point is not the money. The point is wholeness in your zone of genius, fulfilling your sacred contracts, meaning liberation, joy. That's the mm. point. So like, it's not even about how much cash can I amass in this life before I die? Like there's no, you don't get extra credit for that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like spend some of the money that spend the money you have. And I'm not saying spend all the money you have. I'm not saying be irresponsible. I'm just saying like, that is what it is there for. Mm. Okay. 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 So shout out that's to Gay Hendrix. Happen. No, see this yeah. Gay Hendrix is like, that's we're talking about different zones, yeah. but the reason why I asked you specifically to detour on zone of incompetence is, incompetence is because you speak to me and others very clearly. So, yes. okay. But I got to get, get to the, that's zone one. Zone of incompetence. <laughs> then there's zone of competence. Yes. Kind of, in a best case, in an ideal world. Yes. We would. Um, so there's zone of competence, which is stuff that you're as good at as anyone else, but you shouldn't spend too much time doing that stuff either. Then the tricky ones, zone of excellence and zone of genius. So you always hear people out here want to be excellent because we were all raised to perform and conform and produce and achieve to get love, essentially. Excellence is where you're really good. You're really good at this thing, but it's really freaking depleting. Like you don't actually love it. The zone of excellence is actually the, the one to pay attention to because it's where people get trapped. It's where people get stuck in shadow jobs. It's for a lifetime sometimes. It's where people get so much external validation because usually when you're in your zone of genius, especially in like a corporate job, you're making somebody else a lot of money. <laughs> Other people love that you'll do it. Right. So it's all these. And I hear this a lot. I have a lot of women come in who, especially women come in who are like, I'm really good at making chaos come from chaos. I'm really, I've heard that phrase a million times. <laughs> here, I'm not oh even my gosh. Here. And I'm like, y'all should not even be advertising that. Cause that's why chaos keeps coming your way. The chaos makers are like, who can make it calm? <laughs> Of your zone of excellence is the one where you got to be intentional about detecting, you know, it's like everything else. You got to be intentional about hearing and heeding your own inner guidance and hearing the disharmony from when you get stuck there. And it's hard because, you know, you're getting, usually you're getting money there. You're getting status there. You're probably getting a lot of promotions there. You're definitely getting a lot of external validation because your work there is really good and it makes other people happy. All right. But then your zone of genius. So your zone of genius is where you are basically the best in the world at whatever that thing is, whatever that activity is. And I like to think of it as an activity because it's something you, you get to do over and over. Like the good life happens when you can start to expand the number of moments of your day you're doing this activity, mm. right? Whether you're doing it for a living or not. Um, but in your zone of genius, not only are you wonderful at doing the thing, it's also lighting you up. It's like you get more energized the more you do it. It's like other people are looking at you being like, wow, you are working so hard. And you're like, but am I? Mm. <laughs> I, think, I don't know. This feels wonderful. Mm. Right? So that's the zone of genius. And that's, it is true. You, once you know this framework, you see people in the world and you'll be like, oh, <laughs> That's what it looks like. That is her in her zone of genius. 
mm. right? Um, and hopefully you ha- you'll have that spark of recognition when you're in it too. And you can begin that process of just like stretching the moments of the day that you get to be in yours. And then maybe someday, you know, shifting to where it's like mostly what you get to be and do. So how do you reconcile, how do you balance this? I'm in my zone of genius and then dealing with the inner critic, like where does the inner critic flex his or her muscle? Everywhere. Right. So if you're okay, <laughs> okay. So somebody's listening. And so I want to back up to one thing you had said, you said, uh, you're the best in the world at what you do. If somebody's listening to this and they're like, well, I'm not the best in the world at this, like, oh, but there's so- something you're the best at. Well, but first of all, it's really not actually about, com- it's really not about comparing yourself to someone else. It's really not, amen. but it's like, but there is a, like my best in the world stuff is weird stuff. It's not like an Amazon bestseller tag where you have to slot it into some mm-hmm. category. Right? Okay. So give an like, example. What are you the best in the world like, at? Um, I'm the best in the world at helping people wake up from fear and reinvent their lives. Mm. Like it's very, for me, it's like very, and I'm really the best in the world at doing that through telling sacred stories in transformational ways. Like it's a really specific kind of thing. And Gay Hendricks book, The Big Leap, he has like a bunch of questions. Yeah, that, 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 that book is like no, that book's literally game changer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he does have a bunch of interview questions and they're kind of like that, you know, it's, it's, it's a little, it's somewhat tangentially related to the idea of what you're doing when you find yourself in the flow state. Mm. Right. So there's all these like sort of lenses at it and you shouldn't expect, this is a thing I was just talking with someone about actually earlier today. Um, I think in our culture, we have a tendency, especially among the high achievers, we have a tendency to want the answers, to want them to be neat, to tie them up in a bow, <laughs> to want them to be done, even when it comes to our inner work. Like, it's kind of like, like, I want to know my zone of genius, damn it. And I want to know it right, mm-hmm. <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, and actually when you work, um, when you work with, like, I work a lot with depth psychology and archetypal psychology, like the psychology of Carl Jung and many, many other indigenous approaches to psychology that were are very surprisingly similar to Jungian psychology. The work of the unconscious is just not that cut and dry. Mm. Like your understanding of what your zone of genius is may dawn, likely will dawn on you. Like you're already on the journey to discovering it. That's why you're listening to this. Like you, you made us, you called us in. <laughs> You made us be here in your ear today, right? And then like, it will be, it will dawn on you gradually. You'll be in moment. Maybe you'll get the book. Maybe you'll be in a moment of doing something and you'll be like, oh, this is that, Mm -hmm. this is that for me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like for me, um, I think of, you know, teaching as part of my sacred contract and my zone of genius, but like I teach in different ways. Sometimes I literally teach in front of a room. Sometimes I teach on a zoom. Sometimes I teach in writing sometimes, but it's still like transmitting, you know what I mean? So like you come up and let it, let it take the time it takes to unfold in you and to become clear to you, but know that you have one. So again, going back to somebody who is like kind of like this opening, this eye-opening moment of oh, it doesn't feel like I've been here two hours and it doesn't feel like two hours. And oh, it comes to me and other people have said that I'm really good at it and it lights me up. And then all of a sudden, the inner saboteur 
the critic comes out. So as we kind of like tie up and now I know that our moments of enlightenment will not be packaged up and delivered in two days like Amazon Prime. And I know that emotional (laughs) develop will not either. And I'm asking for and I'm not asking for an answer in this way. But as we kind of tie up this conversation, I'm going to loop it all back. But for somebody who is discovering and teetering and making a decision to move from that zone of excellence into zone of genius and they realize like this is the thing that it is and undercoming the roots of fear and no longer per- pursuing perfection or pursuing codependency and then taking the time to step back and fulfill their sacred contracts and then making time and space not to be in that zone of incompetence and then they make this up and they feel like I am doing the work and then the inner critic comes. What then now? Know this, if your inner critic shows up, you 100% are doing it right. Oh, come on. 100%. Your inner critic doesn't show up when you're playing it safe. When you're staying in the zone. That is the truth with the capital T. Hot dang. If your inner critic shows up, your inner critic is the voice of fear, right? It's whole job. It's it's actually like this very well-intentioned, protective force that just over a lifetime gets very hardened and harsh and hindering and counterproductive. So your inner critic only shows up when you feel exposed or vulnerable or afraid. And oh, by the way, all the things that you do in your zone of genius and all the things that you do to fulfill your sacred contract make you feel a little scared, a little exposed, a little vulnerable or a lot. So just know your inner critic will fight to stay alive it's a, it's fear and fear is a pro it's a program. It will, and you can get, and just knowing it's a program allows you to a little bit, let the program run in the background without letting it run your life. Mm. Right. So if you feel your inner critic show up, be like, don't try to silence it, slay it, mute Mm. it, quiet it, pun it, obliterate it, Mm. just befriend it. Mm. You can even thank it. Thanks for trying to keep me safe. Mm. Right? Like, thanks, but no thanks. I got this. Mm. (laughs) I'm in the driving, I'm in the steering wheel, Mm. you know, and just be gradual about it. Mm. Just be Mm. gradual about it. Let just seeing it be the win for a minute, Mm. you know? Mm. Let just seeing fear be the win for the minute. Ladies and gentlemen, we started this conversation by creating space and asking for what it is we want and not just asking for it. We actually have to clear out things from our lives to make space for it. And then we moved into this idea of sabotage and we were clearly instructed that self-sabotage is fear in multiple forms. And we end the conversation with fear in the form of the inner critic. I hope more than anything, that the doubts or the fears that you hear today, you will have an awareness of and then have an awakening. And once you have that moment of an awakening, you're, baby, you're just getting started. Just, just that is the first step. And so people who want to pursue more steps and follow you and get to know you and just kind of watch you from a distance before they build up the courage to reach out to you, like your girl right here, where can they find you and your brilliance and your guiding light? Yes, ma'am. They should come to soultour.com slash sign up. And that just gets you my newsletter. I send out stuff all the time. I send out my little downloads (laughs) when they come through. And I also send out lots of invitations to join me at different, you know, programs and things. So soultour.com slash sign up. I love that. 
I love the time that you have spent with us. I love that you are carving time away from your family, sharing the most valuable asset you own, which is your time and your brilliance and your knowledge and your experience and sharing it so generously. Thank you, sweet, sweet, brilliant soul. I appreciate you. You bless us. Jasmine, this is lovely. Thank you so much. Gosh, wasn't Tara Nicole on fire? I can always tell when a guest is amazing when Jasmine texts me after the interview about how shocked she was by how quickly their conversation flew by. She could have talked to her all day long. If you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did, shoot Jasmine a DM at Jasmine Star on your favorite social media platform and let us know. The team and I are always trying to gain insight on which guests you love, what episodes you want to hear more of. So if you love Tara Nicole and want us to bring on more guests like her, please let us know in a DM. Until next time, I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye, friends. Bye.